Welcome to Life Off Screen with Dan and Peggy Rupel. Thank you for joining us. If you're enjoying this podcast, do us a favor and subscribe to the show and give us a rating. Life Off Screen is produced by Master Media International. And to find out more about Master Media or the Life Off Screen podcast, visit us at lifeoffscreen.com. And now here's Dan and Peggy. Greetings and welcome to Life Off Screen. I'm Dan Rupel. I'm here with my wife, Peggy. And one of the joys of, of this show is that we get to talk to friends about their life off screen. And our guests today, Eric and Carrie Close, uh, they're dear friends, but they have some wonderful things. It's a great they, interview. <laughs> yes, that they do with their life off screen that I think you're just going to really, really enjoy. If you're not familiar with them, uh, Eric is a very talented uh, actor, writer, director. He, for many years, you might know him best from, uh, he was on the hit show Nashville. Uh, prior to that, he was on uh, Without a Trace, which that show uh, earned him a Golden Globe nomination for, uh, I think it was Best Ensemble Cast. Uh, he's, he's been in so many different shows as an actor, but he also has directed many of the episodes in um, uh, Nashville as well as uh, Without, a Tra- uh, Without a Trace. But then he recently it started directing shows that he was also in for the Hallmark Channel. Yes. So he's uh, he's very accomplished, and I think you're going to enjoy what he has to say. And then tell us about his wonderful well, life. Well, I mean, they're they're just um, so sweet together, and how they work together has been remarkable. Carrie is accomplished in her own right. Um, she's got a master's from social work from USC, and uh, but she brings so much to the table. Um, she's talented in her own right because she is a singer. She also is a screenwriter. They've got projects they're working together. They've got a ministry that they pour their life into called the Crystal Peaks Use Ram. She'll love hearing about that. There's just a lot to this couple, a depth and a breath and an intentionality about their marriage that is so refreshing in the um, insecure uh, challenging work of what an actor has to go through every day. Fascinating. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love it. They've been married 25 years, and they have two daughters who are both uh, in in college right now. So let's just jump right in. Eric and Carrie, welcome. Yes. Welcome hey, from guys. Oregon. Hey. Good to so, be with you. It's great to be with you. And Eric, you and I have talked numerous times the last few months, but. Uh, Carrie, I haven't seen you in a while. This is great. It's so yes, good to see you. Yes. Last time we had this scrumptious dinner. Yeah. Uh, you recommended a place. It was in LA. It was so much fun. And I think, uh, Eric, the last time, the first time I met you, I can say that it was at the 30th anniversary of Master Media, right? They had a special event and kind of an inaugural time for Dan as the CEO coming in. And um, so I played, they placed you at our table next to us. And we just had this great time to just chat. And I was woefully ignorant of your IMDb. I had no idea, you know, <laughs> your your career and the, the depth and breadth of it. So I felt a little foolish about that. But you were about as gracious as can be. I just remember uh, you talking so fondly about your wife. And I remember telling Dan, I love this guy. He is just centered and loves his family and so then I go home and I tell my sister who's a detective um who I sat next to and she's just like Diane the FBI agent from without a trace because she was like a major fan so I got a great education um uh into what you have done and uh we just loved having getting to know you ever since 
So oh, yeah. thank you. And I, you know, I'm glad that God brought us together and that we, you know, we've developed this friendship and, you know, despite distance, we were, I mean, this is a miracle in itself that God gave people the wisdom to design Zoom and different I know. technology that we can still communicate and be together. Yeah, best. it's a joy. It's a joy. Well, let, let's go back to um, really the, the beginnings of your passions. Um, I'll start with you, Eric. When did your, your passion for performing, acting, ultimately directing, uh, when was that, when did that bug bite you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think the, the first time I really, I mean, I guess I was always a performer even when I was a kid, but uh, I think in sixth grade I did a play, it was Robin Hood. We did a play about Robin Hood, and I, they created this character called David O. the Common, and I was this character. And I remember... <laughs> I remember I just I like I just knew everybody's lines. I memorized the whole play, and I remember enjoying that experience. And then I didn't really get back on stage until junior high in the drama class, and I just really I loved it. And I just I just enjoyed the the performance aspect of it. Um, I would be I would be dishonest if I didn't say I like the applause. You know, after you go off stage and you hear the the audience, that that becomes less interesting as you get older. But um, and then I was living in Spain as a college student in uh, my junior year of college, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for a living. And a friend of mine was going to go into film school at USC because we were both at USC. And as more, the more we talked about movies and television and entertainment, it was then that I really was bit by the bug because I, I, it was relatable now because of all the movies that had come out, Star Wars and Raiders of Lost Ark, all these things that we loved. And it just suddenly, I realized why I love the movies so much and telling stories and growing up in a family with, you know, uh, lots of stories that were passed around in our family. I just was like, yeah, I want to be a storyteller. And that's really when the passion really ignited and I declared, you know, my major and then started taking film classes and the rest is history from there. Yeah. Yeah. Being in USC, you, you know, you're right there. You've got right in the, the hub and opportunities. And uh, so, uh, Carrie, what about you? When, when did you, your, your faith journey, was it before you met, after you met? How did you meet? How'd you fall in love? That's a lot to answer. Okay. That's <laughs> a very big question. Yeah. Yes. Let's see. Well, we can start with my faith journey. Um, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. Um, with parents who love the Lord and were involved in our um, Presbyterian church. Um, both were elders, um, Sunday school teachers, and it was just part of my daily life. I don't really remember a time where I didn't know Jesus, um, but it wasn't really probably until I was about 20 that I really had my coming to Jesus meeting and was like, you know what, Lord, I think my way isn't really the best way. So I think I want to do it your way. <laughs> and um, it was around about, uh, and so well, I was about 20 and I was at, um, I was at TCU, Texas Christian University in Fort Worth. And um, you know, the, the cool thing about being in the South during that time in the eighties is that, um, you know, you could be a college student and you could go out and do your thing on Friday and Saturday night, but everybody went to church on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Culturally. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, you, you made it to church. And, um, one of the blessings in my life at that time was that my grandparents, my mother's parents lived and also my father's mother lived in Fort Worth and my grandparents would pick me up two Sundays a month and take me to church with them. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. So that was really, it was just a, a precious time for me to have, to be able to do that with them. Um, 
And then we met when I was a senior in college. And at that time, I had decided to stop dating, really. Um, I, I knew in my heart that the person that the man God had chosen for me was not at TCU. And that I was totally okay with that. Even with all my girlfriends getting engaged and whatnot, I was like, no, that's, that's not what's, that's not God's plans for me. But I met Eric at a wedding in Dallas, Texas, when, um, in March of 1992. So Eric, you were already living out in LA. Yeah, I was living in LA and then Hollywood came to Texas and then, uh, yeah. Swept the local girl off her feet. That's right. right? <laughs> ah, got it. Kind of a Doc Holiday thing. I love it. I was I was actually working on Santa Barbara on a soap opera. I was a series regular on Santa Barbara. I had been out of college for about two years at the time, uh-huh. uh, maybe three actually. And uh, it, it's a long story, but um, it was just, it was clearly the Lord who got me to that wedding because I had canceled going to the wedding because of work. Something came up. And mm-hmm. I had heard a sermon just that week at church at Bible study or something. Our pastor said he preached on that scripture, let your yeses be yeses and your noes be no. And on the, wow. day, on the day of that wedding, Saturday morning, I was in my apartment with my brothers. We had just moved in. We didn't have furniture. I was sleeping on the floor on a mattress. And it was going to my head, your yeses be yeses, your noes be no. And I said, I promised that guy I would be at his wedding. I have to be there. I woke my brothers up. They drove me to LAX. I jumped on an American Airlines flight. Literally, this was easy to go to the airport. They just parked at the curb and we walked into the gate together and <laughs> left our car at the curb right there at LAX because it didn't matter back then. Yeah. I got on a flight, flew to Texas. To oh my gosh. That day, the day, the day of the wedding, and I met her at the wedding. Yeah. yeah. Now, Carrie, that's you're, amazing. You're not, you're not void of a, a love and appreciation and passion for the arts. You're, you're a terrific singer and you're involved in music, but you're what master's degrees in social work. Mm-hmm. Um, how okay now you're dating this hollywood dude and uh you <laughs> know surreal was there some kind of checks like i don't know how flaky an actor might be or, or is this a different rhythm that I'm, I'm i was thinking about for my future well i think for me um what he did wasn't what he did was sort of fun and fascinating to me um mm-hmm. you know i had never been to california before and um i um I did watch soap operas though, so I was familiar with his show, but I watched, I watched a different soap opera in college, not his, but I was okay. Um, in the beginning, it was just sort of his job and it was, um, it was, it was fun that, that he got to be on television, but it wasn't ever something that I um, was interested in for myself, but um, it was exciting, I guess. And I would always be so excited when he was going to be on TV or, or something and telling my friends and family, guess what, guess what, Eric's gonna, Eric's gonna be on TV, so tune in and watch. And it was just, in the beginning, it was just your job, essentially. Yeah, and I think it was probably kind of exciting for you because it was something different. It totally wasn't, different. you know, yeah. here's a guy from LA who's on TV on an act, as an actor, and I think a lot of her friends were kind of like, oh wow, it's a big deal. And yeah. Um, but Carrie, she kept me honest, she kept me humble because she didn't like make too big of a deal about it, which nice. was a funny story though, without getting into too much detail. Carrie and her friends used to make fun of a commercial, a milk commercial that I was on uh, <laughs> for about two years. They used to make fun of it. They didn't know me. And so when Carrie met me, she said to her friends that night when she went home, she said, I met the guy I'm going to marry the night of the wedding that we met. And she yeah. just knew the minute we met. And so she told her friends, well, the next morning, her friends called her and said, Is they, the commercial came on and they're like, you're going to marry the milk guy. Like, they, they <laughs> 
for me yeah. for two years. Yeah. And he, making fun and, of my future it was just such a god sense of humor that so you know, funny. yeah well carrie yeah. i can relate because you know right before dan <laughs> came into my life i kind of had that conviction too i said you know god me and you and i'm good i really don't need a, a, a relationship i went as far as to say this i'm not saying i advocate it but i remember really just praying i said god the next guy that holds my hand let it be my husband i'm i'm content until that day yeah. i had no idea it would be within months i would meet him and he was actually a young believer and i remember thinking oh I, i've I, been a christian for three months when we met and i thought to myself this oh no you know i want to i there were so many things that were attractive about his character already his thirst for things about of God, just a passion um, and integrous and some other things. But anyway, I remember saying, no, this guy needs a secure, undistracted devotion to God. I'm not going to mess that up. So really kind of was resistant. Um, but, and he was becoming part and you know, starting entertainment industry and he started, had a comedy group and was touring around. Similar people were thinking, wow, that's so cool what he does. But uh, except your dad, uh, it, it was, it was so funny. I wanted to ask her to marry me, but I wanted to get her dad's permission prior to asking her. Mm -hmm. and, course, I, yeah. and and her, her dad was very uh, doing his proper due diligence, mm -hmm. but I go and, and say, I'd like to marry your daughter. And then he says, Dan, what do you do for a living? I mean, and he I, knew, but he, he, he knew, really but he didn't have a him. handle on it. Yeah. Goes, um, I, or I said, I, I, I'm a comedian, I, I, I do comedy. And they paused, <laughs> and they said, but what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I said, well, that's what I do. I, I have a comedy group. We get up on stage, and we, we perform. And he still didn't figure it out. So he goes, listen, I'm an electrician. I fix wiring, power, <laughs> electricity. And you... <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm a comedian. I tell jokes, you know. And, uh, and they yeah, pay me for it. I did the same thing. I, I stopped dating and I, I just looked, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, if I meet the, the woman that you have planned for me, Lord, am I the guy that she's going to want to meet? And I had to have an honest conversation with myself and say, I don't think so. I'm not there yet. I was a relatively oh. new believer myself. I just fart started excuse me, started following the Lord, you know, maybe a year or so earlier. And I just spent that time really getting to really de developing and building my relationship with, with the Lord and, and, um, and working on my heaven, work on me and work on myself mm -hmm. so that when I did meet that person and it ended up being Carrie, that mm -hmm. I was more, I mean, I had a lot of, a lot of growth still to go through and in maturity. But mm -hmm. I think at that point when she met me, she said, her dad said, he's got potential. Like you, Dan, you yeah. know, it's like yeah. you had potential, even though you, he was a little sus understand. on your job. It was yeah. kind of like, he's, he's going to, these guys are going to take good care of our daughters. That's something I often say to young people who are struggling right now in the world to like find somebody, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, have you made a list of what that person looks like? And they're like, oh, that's a great idea. And then I said, and then check yourself and see if they'd like you. That's great. <laughs> Truly, who you are in, yeah. in Christ, and 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 maybe those rough edges that you have that maybe need to be polished a little bit um, mm -hmm. or smoothed out a little bit, mm -hmm. so that when you when you do encounter the person God picked for you, that you're ready, and that mm -hmm. not that all your part, all the parts of you will be perfect, because right. I think a lot of what God did in marriage is that so much healing yes. uh, happens in your 
in who you are within the context of your relationship with your spouse. And so you're not ever going to come to the relationship perfect, right? Yes. But potential is important, right? You know, and most importantly for both of us, when we started getting to know each other, which back then there was no texting, there was no emailing. It seems so weird that you talk (laughs) on the phone. Exactly. Yeah, we wrote letters. We wrote letters to each other. Letters. And it's, it was such a, because I don't think we clarified, but we were apart. We dated. And then I, um, I went to Kansas. I went back to Kansas oh. and um, lived with my parents for a year and worked. And, um, and we dated long distance um, wow. for a period for really our whole year, about courtship year and months, almost was a, a long distance because once I then wow. moved to California to attend USC for graduate school and to be closer to Eric, every single job he got was not yeah, LA. It was out of the country. Yes. Oh, so yeah. even though I lived, we lived in the same city, he still yeah. wasn't there. And he God knew there. what he was doing. God totally knew what he was doing because he set us up um, in our early relationship and getting to know and trust one another that that's how our marriage was going to be too because the wow. course of his career took him away a lot. Yeah. And um, we had to be in so secure in our relationship and our love for one another for that to work for us. And we're yeah. coming up on our 25th wedding anniversary. Wow. And I know. Congratulations. This, congratulations. Yeah. I mean, pretty, you, Eric, cool. on that note, you that were, you were so telling neat. me that every seven years you renew your, your wedding vows. But we've carried that tradition on. Yeah. And so we, um, we've renewed our vows since we got married in 1995. We've done it three times. And the last time we did it was in Scotland and we invited a bunch of our friends and they all flew to Scotland and we, wow. we all, we all wore kilts and, and had dressed out in Abbey bagpipers and we played golf and it was just a wonderful time. And our, our, our parents read our to us and we, we repeated our vows to each other. And the time before that, our daughters read their, our vows to us and we repeated our vows. And then the time before that, we had our, our siblings do it. And so we just, we just love, we love being married, being married and celebrating it and what it means and how it represents our relationship with, with the Lord and that strength. Um, you know, it's just, it's cool. And, and yeah. we, we, and it's a good excuse to throw a party and have your friends come and celebrate. And, and he proposes to me again each time. Yeah, it's kind of so, fun. It's it's fun, and it's so for it's us. Really it's romantic. It is. It is. And it is. And uh, it's it's it takes you back the first things first. We renewed our vows on our twenty fifth wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, full on, and to have our children involved. I'm. I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. The things that they could share and add to it one of the best parts i mean the most meaningful part of it for me and like what you were saying um having your children there too Mm -hmm. is that the first time you you say those vows to each other you kind of have no idea what you're saying i mean let's be honest some of our vows we say them and we're like in sickness and health and in good times and bad times and in you know, in plenty and in want, we say all those things, you know, at 25 years old, and you haven't, experienced, old, and you haven't really experienced any of it. So, you know, by the time you're repeating them to each other, 21 years later, they take on a whole new level of meaning where you've been through the loss of, you know, grandparents and job changes and illness and moving and children. Boy, is that a big one. That kind of, yeah, the big time. <laughs> 
Um, and just kind of what that says to your marriage and then really saying to one another that I'm going to keep committing to these vows to you regardless. And, and it's kind of a celebration that we've made it through a few of them. We're like, wow, we've actually done that together, you know? Um, and I think that that's part of the reason why it's so meaningful to us to, to renew our vows. So one of the things I wanted to ask too, was that, um, so you start your marriage, you start your career, all these different things, um, and we all, you all have these aspirations. What, what kind of conversations did you guys have? Because, I mean, you've already explained a bit of it when you're saying you're renewing your vows every seven years. But, you know, for Dan and I, I remember early on talking about the non-negotiables, things that were just yeah. kind of our coat of arms. These are just going to be the hills we died on, and these were important to us, our values. We started talking about, you know, at the time, I was touring like crazy. You know, uh, in those times, it was van tours. I'd be gone for three weeks. Later, it became just flights on weekends, which is wonderful. But you know, how are we going to have how are we going to have a rhythm to stay plugged into our church, to stay uh, active in our kids' lives, uh, keep our marriage strong? You know, when it's such a crazy industry that we're in. Uh, yeah. What kind of conversation did you have along those lines? Well, the fir first of all, when we met and we started dating, we, you know, Carrie talked about sort of the list of things and the top on the top of the, my list, when I was telling Karen, we started talking about marriage. I said, the most important thing for me in a, in a, in a partner is that they have a faith in Christ, that they've given their life to the Lord and that they mm -hmm. want to serve him. That, that, and that's because that's most important to me mm -hmm. because I think under, underneath that, everything else, is blessed yeah. Yeah. family friendships work but you got to start there you need that foundation yeah. so that was carrie goes i feel the same way and so that right away we got that out that was mm -hmm. you know off the table i mean on the table we knew where we stood and i think then we really had to know that we were um that we trusted each other mm -hmm. um and knowing that my career could take me different places we we committed to trying to never be apart longer than two weeks. Mm -hmm. So wow. even if I was across wow. the country or out of the country, I would either fly home, even if it was for a day, yeah. or Carrie would come and be with me or bring the kids. It was always easier for me to, you yeah. know, when before we had kids, it was easy for her yeah. to come with me and hang out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. as we started having children, yeah. it got a little harder, and especially once they became involved in school. So mm -hmm. we tried to really stick to that commitment. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, yeah. that was, that was just important. I think we, too, we were really blessed for a, a long period of time. He was working in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and it was during, and that, what was so great about that is that the studio where he worked was less than five minutes from the girl's school. So that oh, when he would yes. have an hour breaks or whatever, he could still go volunteer in the yeah. classroom, you yeah. know, and do that, you know, the apple day where they made apple witches. He could go and like be the dad that shows up and helps out. And we yeah. were so blessed because he was Amazing. basically doing crowd a trace during the, the girls' elementary time. Which, yeah, was you know, they really needed their daddy to be a part yes. of things, go mm -hmm. up for their soccer games and, um, and for their school performances. And he was able to do that. And that was so great for us. And I think the girls, were really recognized um, that they were pretty fortunate because a lot of yeah. dads didn't really show up. Yeah, you know, yeah. a was, lot of the, us moms a, were there, but to have a dad show up, it yeah. was a lot of fun. So they, so that was that was super important to us. And yeah. I did the same thing with with our kids. I would take him to Price's Right and 
you know, I'd, I'd put my daughter in the car and have her makeup done like Parker's Beauties and they'd say a new car and she'd come out <laughs> during rehearsal and, you know, wave it, you know. So it became where they, they loved what dad did as opposed to, ooh, I can't stand what my dad does. He's, he's always gone. Well, you know, rather than being like super enamored with it, I mean, because they're, I think more their friends were than they were because yeah. they're, they're living That's it. True. Um, we did things like, um, I can remember CBS was doing the uh, Rose Parade. And right. uh, so, you know, here I'm taking my kids at the Rose Parade. You know, I remember doing it when I was younger and, and it was a trek. Um, yeah, you, be committed you, camp, to you camp out two days yeah. before. And <laughs> so here we're showing up 20 minutes before, you know, going to this private little area, sitting these major bleachers, ordering lattes from the truck behind us that's giving us anything we want. I, we made sure that afterwards we walked not to our car, the easy route, all through all those people because I wanted them to see this is what it takes and all these people what a gift and a blessing this is that you know your dad gets to do this and um, so always kind of navigating that helping have appreciative hearts yeah because yep. they do yeah. get these neat little perks right yeah well and also another thing that we agreed upon in our in our marriage because of what I did for a living and, and, and when you're really immersed in it you work really hard you work long hours is that I purposely uh, took time off mm -hmm. and it was always, it was a test of our faith because a lot of times people are like, Oh, I, I don't want to ever pass on a job because I might never get hired again. But that's where your faith comes in is that yes. my family needs me this summer yeah. and I've just worked wow. nine and a half months, worked my tail off for nine and a half months. I'm going to take a, a month or two. And look, it's a total privilege that to be able to do that because not everybody can do that. Right. But, I was able to, you know, put money aside and keep saving so we could do that and spend that time or I would not, I would pass on certain things just to say, I really need this time. And it's yeah. never perfect because when I had to move away to Nashville, yeah. that was a tough time because our younger daughter was going into junior high, I think, yeah. or just out of six. They were starting uh, and, sixth grade and eighth grade. And no matter how perfect you try to make it, there are still feelings about it. And mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, so while I was very fortunate to be there during their elementary school years and into junior high, I did miss out on some stuff and, mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to navigate that wasn't easy. And yeah. I spent a lot of time on airplanes. I mean, they, people actually called me the airline attendants on Southwest used to call me the mayor of Southwest. So I get on the plane, they go, Hey, mayor of Southwest is here. Cause I was, <laughs> I was a lot in between work. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd shoot some scenes, run to the airport, fly home for a day or two, fly back, you know, yeah. So but you have yeah. to do it yeah. to make your family. And there were seasons in our life, the same thing. We just said, um, um, this is something we're going to say yes to. We really feel God's doing it. It's going to mean this for us. Like that agreement, yeah. it's going to be hard, but this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to be an intentional in it. It's not going to be perfect. Yeah. And then there was times where, um, well, one time you were offered a position that was like three times your salary. Oh yeah. That, that's when I was working at CBS. I had a, an offer to go to a higher position at, well, actually it's four times my salary, which, wow, wow that's, that's, that's quite tempting. But I also looked at the effect it would have on my family. And I looked at people who had that role and they were working 24 uh, seven. They were constantly hustling for their next production. Um, most of them were single or didn't have a real active family life. And yeah. I wanted I, my entire time at CBS. I was I was teaching a hundred person adult Sunday school class. 
on Sunday mornings at our church. And I, I, I valued that. And that, that being coaching my, my son's uh, little league team, uh, having a, a real active family life, going camping, like you're saying, yeah, those were deal. much higher values than, uh, than the money of the job. So I, I turned it down. I know in our lives, and I think it's true of probably every marriage, God uses marriage and the friction of two people trying to live as one uh, more than anything else in life to, to craft us into his image. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, marriage is the greatest little chiseler <laughs> that God uses to chip, chip away at the things that don't look like him. Mm-hmm. So on, on that, tell us about um, how has God used your strengths, each other's strengths to really shape you? I would say for Carrie, I'm going to talk about Carrie is that one of the things for me is as an actor, um, you know, I, because I travel and I've moved away at times, you know, I lived in Nashville for three years. I was in Canada for six months, even up here in Bend away from Carrie for six months, I was working. Um, there is this level of trust and support and encouragement from her that I've had from day one. And clearly she says, don't blow it or you're, you're done. You know, so <laughs> clearly, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, yeah, but it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm half kidding. There's, there's, there's this trust that you have to have. Mm-hmm. And I, and I've just felt so supported by her that I can go away and focus on my, on my job and know mm-hmm. that she's completely supportive and not calling me every, you know, 10 minutes going, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? You know, mm-hmm. there was just this amazing amount of support. And I know, I know, um, you know, my friends of mine who don't have that support and it's really hard for them in their careers because mm-hmm. they're like, man, I love being an actor. I love being an artist. I love being what I do. And I feel like I get the chance to meet all these great people and travel, but I, I've always got someone kind of doubting me and not trusting me. Mm-hmm. So that's a great strength of Carrie's um, just that her gift and her, her gift of faith is extraordinary. And that's also when in the times where I'm struggling and doubting, you know, my, my career and where it's going or, you know, any number of things. She has this real deep faith where it's just like, hey, you say you trust God, trust him. And mm-hmm. I, I'm so grateful for that. The times in my life where I wasn't trusting mm-hmm. and she reminded me, hey, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and stop worrying about all this stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great qualities in her that have helped me in my career, in my life. Go ahead, Carrie. What about what about what would you say for Eric? Eric. Well, his strengths are: is he? Um, he's a man of his word. I mean, I think he spoke to that like mm-hmm. the day that we met each other. That was like your yeses are yes, and your noes are noes. And Eric is um, a man of his word, and he um, he is when he says he's going to do something or or take care of something, he does it. And so there's just this level of like trusting that he, he's going to make sure everything's okay. So I always feel like safe to be myself, yes. safe to be mom, safe to pursue. You know, I, he will tell you that I have a billion ideas <laughs> and I throw like yeah. 12 or 15 at him and see if any of them are going to stick. Cause I, right. I am yeah. a big dreamer. I think she wants to do all of them. I'm like, no. But generally, he's like, okay, okay, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> a lot of times I dream just because I like to dream. I, I, maybe I'll try to pursue one of these fantastical dreams. But for the most part, I feel just so secure that he's like, okay, 
that if I did really want to do something or yeah. try something, mm -hmm. I would be like, I'll help you make that happen. And yeah. so there's this be able to rest in the security that the man I'm I'm with um, loves me so much that he he will he loves me and he would lay down his life for me. Like I truly yeah. believe that. And I think yeah. so knowing that it kind of just makes me feel completely free to just be and pursue um, all that God wants for me. So I think yeah. that's the strength mm. is that being a man of his word makes it because he he loves the lord and he's always trying to please you know god and 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 grow in who he's supposed to be it makes me feel the same way yeah so, like, what i want to ask you about in in eric you and i've talked about this through the through the years um i i really uh, appreciate the challenges of an actor because a director a writer a producer um it's not you up there on that screen. It's not you saying those words, mm -hmm. acting those actions, whatever it might be. So, and I know you, you as an actor get scripts that you just say, this really compromises my faith, my values or, or whatever. You, when you talk about that with Carrie, how do you work together on a sounding board with each other of like, do I, don't I, you know, put, put it there in context. When he looks at material, we try to always, and I think you would agree, we always trying to look for a redeeming quality in a character. Like, is yeah. this yes. character? I mean, because it's okay, because in real life, people struggle. Not everybody knows what they're, what they're supposed to be doing. Not everybody right. knows the Lord. Not everybody has that moral compass. You know, who knows? Everybody's background's different. So that's the cool part about being an actor, I think is that you get to kind of put yourself into the shoes of somebody who's completely different than yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and it gives you an amazing perspective. Um, but I think for the most part, as long as your characters have a redeeming, something, either re, a, a redeeming quality or there's justice. Or there's justice. Or there's justice. Yeah. Um, mm. Then it's yeah. something that he'll look at and pursue. Yeah, because I feel like if I'm, if I'm playing a character that does something illegal or you know, bad, whatever that is, or, you know, is a kill somebody or whatever that is. I think whatever in that story, there has to be, like Carrie said, there needs to be some sort of consequence or a lesson learned or, mm -hmm. and I, I my friend, Kim, I don't know if you guys know Kim Dorr, but um, oh, yeah. Yeah, very Kim, well. I've, I've, I've counseled with Kim a few times about certain projects and, and she just says, you know, Eric, I always try to look for God in every, mm -hmm every project and every story. And if there's something in there that you can kind of point back to God, it, I feel it's, there's, you can find ways to justify to do it. But mm -hmm. there are occasionally times where there are things that just check my spirit and I just go, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. Um, either whether it's overly gratuitous, mm -hmm. unnecessarily gratuitous, I should say, unnecessarily, whether it's in sexual content or violence. Um, uh, or anything demonic. And demonic, you know, that's, yeah. that's one where I just draw the line. And, and I've, tried to, I've tried to, you know, be open to saying, okay, well, maybe because it's popular and it could be good for my career, it, it, that just doesn't work. That's yeah. not yeah. for me. And I, I think, personally, there's plenty of good stories out there. And I, and I look... I look at the, the actors that I really respect um, 
guys like Tom Hanks or, mm. you know, even Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Harrison Ford, Meryl Streep. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. You can look at their body of work and really not find anything overly gratuitous. Um, yeah. And, and they have a level of integrity in their work and, and the stories that, that they tell. And I'm a big fan, as you know, of Clint Eastwood. I've been fortunate to work with him. And yeah. I, yeah. That, I find that he tells these amazing stories with really difficult subjects. And, and he finds a way to do it with class. Um, yes. I always go back to this great scene in American Sniper where Sienna Miller's character plays Taya Kyle. She's waiting for um, you know, Chris to come home from war and they're, he's starting to have PTSD and they're, 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 they're missing. They're not connecting. And, and she comes out dressed in this beautiful like lingerie and just wants to be with him. And, and he stands up and picks her up and walks away from camera and the door closes and that's all you see. That's all you need to see. And you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. love story between these two that love each other and are dealing with really difficult issues, mm-hmm. mental illness and all, et cetera, uh, the tragedy of war. And Clint just did such a classy job of that. Like Carrie said, a lot of these characters that we play, it's not me. I'm not, it's not a person of faith and they're still trying to, they're on their journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell that story of that person's journey. Exactly. So. exactly. Yes. And that's the, that's the power of story. You know, yes. Sto- stories done well invite us into the world of the other. Mm-hmm. They, they take us to places, experiences, people that we, we, we don't know about. Yeah. And, and, you know, the church, <laughs> the Bible's filled with bad behavior. <laughs> yeah. but, but what's so wonderful, and you tapped on this, is, but there, there's God's redemption yeah. thread through the entire, you know, from Genesis to, to Revelations. Look at almost every character in the Bible other than Jesus was, was flawed. Every yeah. character. Yeah. Very flawed. Yeah, big time. And, you know, and God, present, present company included. And God, like, <laughs> you know? God, God, like, cashed in on those flaws and used them for his glory. Yeah. Yes. Put it. That's where our hope is, you know, because, man, if yes. he was looking for all the perfect parts of me to use, he'd be looking for. Yes. <laughs> yes. But if he wants yeah. to find a flaw and use that for his glory, that wouldn't take very long. So, yeah. I think yeah. That's the piece that's so beautiful about storytelling is that we we can identify a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or we, we identify more with characters and their flaws than characters and their successes, I think. Exactly. And if they don't have any flaws, they don't resonate with us. Because, right. Right. you know, we're, we're all messed up. We're all broken people. <laughs> and if it's somebody who's perfect, it's like, nah, that's not my experience. Right. We got to ask you about the, uh, was it Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch? Yes. Uh, tell us about that, what you're doing. It's an equine rescue re- ranch. So they... Mm-hmm. Um, when they first started out, it was all rescue horses. People um, would call about a horse that they could see was being neglected or mm-hmm. abused. Um, they would often um, be donated horses when people mm-hmm. go on hard times or whatnot. Or people would buy a horse knowing that it was in a bad situation and then donate it to the ranch. Wow. So a lot of the horse, there's been a lot of horses that have come through here that have found um, a safe place to land, to be rehabilitated, to be taught how to trust humans again. And um, mm-hmm. it's the same thing for children. So a lot of kids that have been hurt by other people yes. who are going through hard times and neglect, abuse, maybe a parent um, with um, cancer um, or 
a loss in the family, kids in foster care, kids at risk, um, will come to the ranch and they get to spend time with an adult who it's all about them and they get to just come be a kid and um, they get just get loved on by a grown up. We see about 6,500 families a year come through the gates. My wow. goodness, wow. Yeah. So any, any special needs families? My son, grandson's oh. special needs. And let me tell you, being around a horse, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. just soothes his spirit. It's just beautiful to watch. Across the board, we've had paraplegics, quadriplegics mm. come out. We have blind, children uh, with autism. autism, down. Uh, yes. Up. And it's a blast. I mean, in the summertime, and I'm really hoping that the world opens up pretty soon because one of yeah. the best parts about living next door is hearing laughter literally yeah. all day long. They play, I mean, they'll ride horses, but then they have water balloon fights, and then they paint the horses, and then they give the horses (laughs) (laughs) each other, and it's just a ball over there, and it's such a joy. Yeah, and that's why that's why we haven't given you know we why we care so deeply about this story, and why um, we want we feel like it's our it's God called us to put this on film. And so if it's his will, it'll yeah. happen. And yeah. we're, we're just trying. So, you know, but at the end of the day, they've, he's already used this ranch to reach the yeah. world, uh, yeah. for the gospel. And, and so whether the movie gets made or not, I mean, it's yeah. our, but really more importantly, the, the message is out there and there, yeah. you know, we're just getting a chance. At, to love Eric, it. would you be directing because you've been really turning the corner and doing a lot more directing these days? Yeah, that's, that's the plan. I plan to direct Carrie mm-hmm. Carrie wrote the script. Uh, we have a producer that's working with us, the guy that I met produce, uh, directing the Hallmark movies. You talked about me directing. Yeah. So I've been really fortunate. Hallmark called me a year and a half ago or two years ago and asked me to direct a Christmas movie that ended mm-hmm. up doing really well. And yes. yes. They, called me, they called me back. Okay. One last question. Sure. Let's keep yeah. going. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I yeah. am telling you. One last question. So we good. talk for three more hours. Yeah. Well, definitely, if there's a season two, you guys are on it. And, and I'm telling you, I'm, we're coming to visit you. I mean, you yeah. said yeah, we need. <laughs> we're, we're coming to Ben. But, but if, if, you, if, there, if you could get in a time machine and go back to your younger selves, what, what advice would you give your, your younger self, either about career, family, personal, whatever it might be, uh, what, what would you tell them? Well, I, I would, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would say, um, be nicer to your parents <laughs> <laughs> and listen to them because they're actually pretty smart. And uh, I would also say, don't worry so much. Don't, mm. don't be so uh, uh, doubtful about things and just trust. You really, mm. I, I just say, it's going to be okay. You just got to trust. Don't, don't try to control things so, so much. And that would have been something I would have, uh, in, you know, to- told myself, just, just trust. Yeah. I yeah, love it. I agree. Love it. And trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Carrie? Well, you know, it's a tough one. I think if I had to go back and talk to my younger self, it would probably be, you know, you need to just, you know, similar, like trust that be who you are. That's the other thing. Mm. It took me a little bit longer to kind of really show my authentic self to everybody. Mm. I selected just a few people. So I was pretty good at like putting on this like, yeah, I'm okay and everything's good and whatever kind of thing. And, And by doing that, I attracted people into my life that weren't really good for me. 
Mm-hmm. And I found that would really be my true, authentic self and not be afraid, knowing that the Lord would bring people who love me for me, regardless, you know, uh, the good, the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly is what I like to say. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while to get there. So I had to go through some more tumultuous times with friendships as an adult. Yes. Um, but I think that's what I would say. I was like, you know what? You're okay who you are. And if you just be who you are, you're going to attract all the right people into your life. So I think that's what I would say. I agree. And and I would say on that note, I would also tell my young self, don't worry so much about what other people think of you, you know, and meaning I think I've always tried to be kind for the most part, but I think there are times when I hide behind that kindness instead of, you know, maybe speaking, being willing to be courageous to speak up in a situation where I mm-hmm. should yeah, or say no to something that I, you know, maybe a, a, an opportunity, a job or something, or just be willing to know that it's okay sometimes to have some conflict and not worry about that. You're going to yeah. suddenly lose a friend or lose respect from some. Yes. Yes. So I would advise, you know, I would also give that advice. It's like, don't be so concerned about what everybody thinks about you yes there is a freedom there is a freedom that i have felt in just that as i've gotten older because there was a time i i was good at taking the temperature of the room and helping to normalize and and uh, you know and that could be looked at such a great uh trait uh but um in a way you're not your real authentic self you're just really um this diffuser, this peacemaker, yes, it's part of my character. But to be okay with those pregnant pauses, I don't yes. need to fill the space. Yes. yes. I exactly. don't need to fill the space. Yeah. Uh, there's actually something I've learned in just being quiet and listening. Actually, you get to hear the on-ramps of God. Yeah. Because you're not, you're just not filling it all in there. And, yeah. you're, and that rest and trust in who he's made you to be. Yeah. Of course, I'm much more su- superficial. So I, if I was talking <laughs> to my younger self, I'd say, this is the best you're going to look. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. It's all downhill. You're just going to get older. So, well, you love me. Huh? So, well, we, we love you guys. Yes. And we, we so admire, uh, yes, your careers, but more your hearts, yes. your commitment to the Lord, your, your love for other people, your love for your family. Yeah. Uh, we just love, love, love you guys. Yeah. And as Peggy said earlier, we just can't wait to dine with you. Yeah. To uh, break bread with you and see you guys give you a big old hug without a mask. <laughs> <laughs> we look hugs, forward to that for big time. Yeah. Bless you guys. Bless you. We love Thank you. Thank you so much. Love you. Bye. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Take care. Thank you for joining us for Life Off Screen with Dan and Peggy Ruppel. Life Off Screen is produced by Master Media International. Our technical director is Jason Rugg. Please subscribe to the Life Off Screen YouTube channel or subscribe to the Life Off Screen podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave your comments in the comment section. And to find out more about Master Media, go to mastermedia.com. Thanks again for joining us. Hope to see you next time.